Season 2, Episode 2 of From J2Z. Welcome back. This week we did something a little bit different. We got our first interview outside of the Portland Timbers. We interviewed Buccaneers kicker Matt Gay, who spent a little time with the national team uh, in youth soccer at U17s and unconventionally made his way up to the NFL. Uh, we talk a little bit. That's my daughter coughing into the microphone. Anti-corona. That's what you should not be doing. But we talk a little bit. We talk a little bit of soccer and football. And you know what? My daughter's in the room, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. That's my pool table slash garage slash studio. And here we go. Hit, hit the music. <laughs> this is going to be terrible. There's the spark they've been looking for. Sarek Valentin. And another save. Well, Antonella certainly got a touch on that. He needed to. Welcome back to another episode of From J to Z. We are your hosts, and I am Zarek Valentin. And I'm Jeff Atanella. And we are brought to you by some Mofoan knuckles that feel like reptile skin. I have worked with Liz with some lotion, and my contact dermatitis has significantly gone down. So, Jeff, feeling much better. Slang it back to you. If you need some help, let me know. Nope, same here, bro. I've been using my daughter's eczema lotion. <laughs> and it has done the trick. It has done the trick. The knuckles are firing. The fingers feel great. I'm still washing my hands. The hands feel fantastic. And we've turned the corner in terms of desert knuckles. It's incredible, dude. Listen, I feel like a lizard, but listen, I love it. But it's one of these things where you have to embrace it. At this point, it it, it shows that you're doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, I would wash my hands and put hand sanitizer on my hands under any sort of circumstances at this moment. Dude, Liz was crushing me because I would do the same thing. She'd be like, listen, you're, you're using the Purell. Why? It makes no sense. I'm like, honey, I'm trying to save our lives. At this point, if they were like, Purell in your eyes will prevent the coronavirus, I would just like douse my eyes. Dude, I'd, I'd shower in it. What are, you guys realistically. Doing with the, what are you guys doing with Amazon boxes? I'm opening the boxes and then washing my hands immediately and Liz is taking the goods out. I feel like... We are so focused on the outside of the boxes that we should be focused on what's inside of them. We just assume that like the homies putting the the vitamins or the diapers in the boxes are clean. Like these these guys are like they, they must wash their hands. They must have reptile hands. But the people sealing it up are like some gremlins that just like sneeze in their hands and are just like, "Man, we'll figure it out." Do you ever know what we're doing at Casa de Atanella? Judging by your Instagrams, you're literally lysawing and wiping down everything. Brother, so I went to the door today. We got a shipment of toilet paper in. It was like discovering gold. You know when Indiana Jones finds that? I don't even know what it's called, but like... The Holy Grail. The Holy Grail. Perfect. Yeah. So Indiana Jones finds the Holy Grail and he does that like switcheroo and it's all secretive or whatever. So today... Oh, thank you, Remy. Let's enjoy some of this Remy time. Bring Remy on. What's up? Re Remy, do you want to say hi? Say hi to everybody. What time is it? Is it way past your bedtime? Yeah. It's way past your bedtime. Are you having fun on quarantine? Yeah. Do you miss your friends? Yeah, I miss them. All right, people. Sorry about that. Jeff, how does it feel to be quarantined with a daughter that's semi to massively needy, 
along with a wife that's massively to about to pop in her pregnancy. How does this feel? Please give us some sort of introduction. The other day I woke up and I had bags under my eyes and I just, I was like, I was truly, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just sad for myself. If I'm being completely honest, remember how last week we talked about how, oh yeah, I got this perfect schedule and you know, I'm the yoga teacher on the at home school, whatever. I was Cruising, my, no big deal. Yeah, I was feeling myself. This week's the exact opposite. There's no schedule. It sounds all like hell, anarchy. All hell is broken loose. We're recording this thing at 9 o'clock at night. Remy just brought me a cookie. I don't know. I don't know what's going and on. And I got a brownie too. And she's eating a brownie. Perfect. And she's got a brownie too. Listen, I am hell is, very jealous. All hell is broken loose. <laughs> As somebody who's completely lost their composure and I have a mustache and a bandana, how ready are you to go from one to two so quickly and this is going to be a decent little change we're just ready to have the baby here because we know we know how hard it is to have a newborn and we're just ready to get this show going like if we're going to be stuck in the house in quarantine like come on of course come on buddy come on son come out let's get the show on the road so we can start living that life i understand what you're saying i understand that it's a little bit of a balance between being ready and being a little bit nervous and understanding those give and takes when you're going for number two, you have a little bit of reassurance in the fact that you know what's coming, but you also understand what you have at hand. It's kind of wild to, to see you going through it, but I'm really happy that you're doing it before me. So I get to understand a little bit more. So I talked to some of the guys on the team who have multiple kids and I asked them, do you guys go to classes? Because with, with the first child, there were classes. There were all these things that you do to prepare. And with the second kid, I haven't done anything. Like, I haven't done anything. I, I didn't do anything with the like, first kid. There you go. I, I'm hoping it's just like riding a bike. Dude, I'm riding a stationary bike. Does that count? <laughs> Here you go. This episode is a little bit different. We were getting a lot of interruptions from, uh, from my daughter. We were getting a lot of interruptions from my wife. But no, but this is the best, this is the best thing though. Like people ask us about doing our podcast and we're real. We talk about real shices. You know what I mean? You have a family. This is what's going on. For me, these things can happen and obviously families can come in and encroach. Cam's too young. Eventually when we're 35 years old and both retired and working, I'll be working for Nike and you'll be working. You'll be a, a very New York Times uh, bestseller, you know, publisher for, you know, different types of brands. Who knows? Go download um, my books for free. I just posted a link. I'm going to do story time. We Go are brought to you by some books brought to you for free. So check out Jeff's books. If not, you're a loser. I have a kid that is how long? Oh, he's six months, six and a half months. I'm starting to read him books. His attention span is very small. My attention span's probably shorter, so like it's really not a good combination. But season two, season two, episode two is off the rails, people. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy this Matt Gay interview. We'll rate it back in. We'll rate it back in. We're listening. (laughs) I mean, realistically, we're probably gonna have to record this again. But um, let's just let's just we should we should maybe head off to the interview now. You know what? I think this will be a funny episode. 
Season two, episode two. Enjoy the interview. Be ready for a pop up from J to Z Instagram live because we're gonna start doing things like that. Oh, as well. it's gonna be incredible. We'll have some giveaways. We'll have some fun stuff. I'll be uh, interacting with fans, making myself look like an idiot. We'll see what happens. That's that's my favorite, Zarek. All right, see you guys next week. Adios. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Matt Gay, kicker out of Utah. Okay. <laughs> Walk it off, Matt Gay. The game winner. Cool. So today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. Uh, we are joined now today by the kicker for the 2020 Super Bowl champions. <laughs> oh my god. The best team. The best team in the NFL. The one and only Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are joined by the kicker, Matt Gay. Matt, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. Clap, clap, clap. Yeah, man. Happy to be with you guys. Happy to I hop thought, on no, and, dude, so, uh, chat for a bit. Oh, here we go. The Buc- I'm, I'm outnumbered by Bucks people. Dude, so it's funny. So it's funny. I knew. So I've, I've, Matt, I've been following your career a little bit because our paths in a weird way have intersected because I remember watching you kick. I used to go to the games up at Utah. So I remember watching you kick up at Utah and thinking, oh man, like, yeah, so I remember thinking, like, this man's dropping bombs, and then I learned a little bit more about your story, and then when we started connecting, you talk about playing in the Salt Lake Academy, you know, when did you get involved with that Salt Lake Academy, you know, I just want to talk about when you first started playing soccer, when did you first get involved with that Salt Lake Academy, and then Zarek's going to take over and ask you some questions about residency. Cool, man, yeah, uh, just kind of diving right into it, I been playing soccer my whole life that's sport number one for me um it's my my love my passion it's what I still love and I still follow it very closely and I was I mean it's 10 11 years ago so I think the U.S. is slow on getting those academies going and they just barely implemented like the U17 teams and started doing like the under 17 MLS cup type stuff they didn't have like a full-time living academy when I started they just had tryouts, and we're going to form a team. We're going to go to a few tournaments. And so I think I was 15 when I – I was 14 when I first went to the first tryout, um, and I missed the cut. So you didn't have to suffer You didn't have to suffer, suffer, have to suffer, suffer through, through life at Casa Grande or what? <laughs> I never had to suffer in Casa Grande. Uh, oh, what a place. Oh what what a place. of this because I definitely oh, – I was down there goodness. for some weekends. And uh, I don't know if you would have made it. I don't know if you would have made it out alive if you were stuck down there in Casa Grande. If I'm being completely honest. No, if the atmosphere and the whole dead zone doesn't get you, the mosquitoes will. So my my <laughs> first was... preseason in MLS, I was actually down in Casa Grande with Chivas USA, and oh, yeah. we had a play, we had a player in Sal Zizzo who got traded from from Chivas to Portland who was staying in the same complex. So he was eating with our team and then suddenly within one day he had to go transfer to another team and deal with that. And meanwhile, the RSL Academy was there and I just kept thinking, man, I feel so bad for these guys. Just, we kept saying, man, I couldn't imagine living in those dorms 24 seven in the middle of nowhere and just being like, oh, it's just, let's just be full-time soccer players. Yeah, I definitely missed out on that in a good way. So <laughs> take that. Did you play with did you play did you play at all with Carlos Salcedo? Um, a little bit. So fast forward a few years. Um I was playing at UVU and every summer they would pick we had our coach would pick a few guys. Um 
and send him up to train with Briasa Lake. And so I went up and trained. I think it was the summer before he got traded out to um, – who's he with now? Man, he's he's somewhere in Italy doing big things, <laughs> yeah, much bigger things thing. he was, than he recording a podcast. Playing, he wasn't even playing for Real Salt Lake. I remember we'd go up and train and talk to those guys. And, I mean, you're playing with – I mean, I got to be on the field with, like, Beckerman and <clears throat> Plata and those guys. But then Salcedo wasn't even starting or playing. And I think I'd step away from the game for a few years and – Next thing I know, I was watching like the World Cup, and he was like the starting center back for Mexico. And I was like, what? "Yep, how did this happen?" Dude, I'll never forget. I'll never forget it. So, yeah. So I played with him. Were you? Did you? So did our paths cross when you were trying out and playing with Salt Lake? Was I there during that time? Probably. How? How old are you? So I was. I mean, you don't have to ask that question. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, no, I'm kidding, man. I'm kidding. I'm 31. So I was there from 2013 to 2017. Uh, I would have been from just before you got there. Oh, okay. so I was cool. I think I was 09 to 12. All right. So my bad. Let's let's get back on track a little bit. Let's get back on track yeah. a little bit. So you were trying out for the Salt Lake Academy, and then you said you didn't make it. So you didn't make the Salt Lake Academy, but then I was reading that you ended up in residency. So how did we go from, you know, Salt Lake missing out on, you know, missing out on signing you to ended up playing with the residency program? Yeah, so I tried out first time, I was 14. I just missed the cut um, for the under 17. And then the next two years I was on the, the team. And then through ODP, we went down to... ODP, I mean, I, I did the regionals. I went to region camp and all that stuff and kind of got yep. my name out there, performed well and, um, up in uh, McMinnville, Oregon. So, Oh, love that. Shout out, shout out McMinnville. Shout out McMinnville. And just kind of was on the radar. And then when I was 15, I think it was after my first, my second year getting held over for region camp, we went down to the ODP championships in Phoenix. And I just forget all, you lit it up. forget all humility. Like I tore it up. I think I had like 10 goals in six games and like three. No big deal. Like, it's not a big deal. Honestly, stop. stop. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and my after the first game, my coach was like, "Hey, there's national team scouts down here. Like, they're their eyes on you." Um, and I think it was we were playing Cal South, and I ended up tearing it up against Cal South. I think I got two goals and assists, and we I think we lost four three or something to Cal South. And the week after that, I came home. I got a, I got a phone call from the national team and said, "Hey, we saw you down at the residency. I mean, at the." ODP championships and we want to invite you to come live down here. Um, we'll basically come try out for a week. So I went down there for a week and ended up making it. So they said, we want you to come live here full time and, and be in the national team residency. And I was 15 at the time and it was tough, but I, I went down and left and went and lived down in IMG for a little while. Well, Bradenton, Florida, Bradenton, Florida. Listen, that sounds a close good. second, a close second, a close second behind Casa Grande. Oh, here we go, here we go. Um, Especially speaking when of, you're 15 and can't leave the ground. 
Speaking of which, I uh, I was a residency alum, so we can we can parlay vu a bit. I'm a little bit older than you. I'm a '91, uh, so I believe you're three or four years after me, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I was there with John Hackworth, and okay. eventually left to go to IMG. And then once Hack left, I believe you were with Wilmer, if I'm not mistaken, right? I was, yeah, I was with Wilmer. I never had uh, Wilmer as a as a coach. Um, Calf is actually working with the with the Dynamo now, and uh, Jerson Echeverry, who I know from my Region One days way back in the day before you, uh, is with RGV, who's also closely affiliated with the team as well. Who was with you guys as well, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. Interesting. So, what were your impressions of the K dorm? Because I was there, I got cut, and then I went to IMG. So, what was your impression of K dorm? Were you still going to Edison like the rest of the kids? Yeah. Um, awful. Well, well, awful. well, 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 let's Dude, not. The fact, the fact I have, so my college roommate, my college roommate went to Edison and the fact that you guys were able to graduate from that school and actually call it a degree or any type of education is a sham, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a sham. In all it's, fairness, yeah. in all uh, fairness, just because we have snack time doesn't mean <laughs> what we do is a sham, please. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. All right, so Matt, so that's cool, man. So, so I mean, you had to, even with residency, like, you had to get there the hard way because nowadays there's academy systems, there's all these things in place. And even back then, you know, to go, to get through residency through the, the, local, OD, the local ODP, you yeah. know, good timing, have a good, have a good showcase, end up at residency, that path, I mean, not many people take that path. So for you to be able to do that, I mean, it kind of speaks on how much, how good you must have been at soccer. So to go from soccer, I, so I've done a little bit of research, reading about your story a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you end up, you end up at the residency program, you do well there. And then in school, was it in school that you caught this injury or was it your first, first couple of years in the, in the uh, university system? Uh, what injury is that? So I read that you, that you did your knee pretty bad. Um, I wasn't yeah. sure. So the article that I read said that you did your knee pretty bad and that, you know, the transition from trying to get back from that injury to the way that you were playing before, the way that you were in residency, it was a bit challenging. So I guess if you could just like speak on, you know, kind of when the injury happened and just kind of dealing with trying to make it back to the soccer field a little bit. Yeah. So after residency, I came back to Utah, um, was going to go to college here in my senior year of high school. And I actually caught the injury playing football. I had oh, okay. the, high, the high school football coach come and say, dude, I don't care if you show up at any practice. He's like, show up at games and kick. And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds fun. <laughs> no. like, Living the I showed dream. Up, I showed up <laughs> That's the dream, bro. That's the dream. The game. Yeah, it was the best situation I could have asked for. So I had to show up Friday night. Had you... Did you practice kicking it all, or was it literally just like, hey, show up, you can kick the hell out of this football, show up, kick this football through the uprights, and then I'll see you next Friday? Pretty much that. Like, I, I mean, before I, my first game, I went out to a field and hit a few just to make sure that I wasn't even embarrassed myself. <laughs> this is but, incredible. So I went outside That's and crazy. And we were going into state, and – um, I was actually at well, probably one of my first practices of the year for football, and we were doing a field goal drill. And I'm not going to name names, but I got some kid go to block the field goal in practice, and 
just with my foot planted in the ground. I took a helmet to the, my, to my knee and hyperextended it, partial ACL, partial MCL, torn meniscus. And yeah. so that was like going to the state. So I was done for five months, I think. So clearly and, someone on the defense was so upset that you just kept pinging these bad boys through the uprights <laughs> that they're like, listen, he doesn't have a red jersey on. We're just going to run through him. Pretty much, yeah. Unbelievable. Man, so, so, so I guess the lesson, the lesson that we should all take from this interview is practice less and just show <laughs> up on show up on game days because practice can only get in your way. Practice doesn't exactly, make perfect. Exactly. Practice makes it. Well, that's funny. So. Oh man. So at this point, when you were injured, was this when you decided that the mullet was a good decision or that the ponytail <laughs> and the mullet was a bad decision? Oh, they've done their research now. <laughs> so, uh, this is when I decided it was a good idea. You know, of nothing course. going for me, sitting on the couch. Uh, just thought I'd let it go. So I started growing it out, and I let it go for a while. I mean, I, I had an e-brace on my senior soccer season, so I think I got back just – I literally had got back just before soccer season started. Listen, party and in the front. You know, business in the, the front, party in the, the back, you're good to go. Threw the ponytail in and, and started playing. <laughs> and just, just, let, and just let, let it ride. And just let, let it ride. Let it ride. Let it ride. Oh, man, that's incredible. Man, so that's crazy. So they they just said, all right, you know what? I can see you kick the soccer ball super far. You can probably kick a, You can probably do the same thing with a football, just show up on game days and let's, like, let it ride. I mean, I think that's pretty much every soccer player's dream to get plucked off a soccer field and have a football coach say, Hey, just come kick this thing for us. You don't need to do anything else, but you know, come be the hero. Oh yeah, it was the best. The soccer practice all week, and Friday night I went to kick at the games and enjoy and hang out with my friends. That's as good as you can get for, I think. Oh, that's, that's great, man. That's great, man. So, so fast forward there, you recover from your injury, uh, and then what's next for you? Like you're off to school, obviously, but the injury had to get in your way a little bit. Did that? Did that throw off? You know teams that were recruiting you or you know did that throw off your fans a little bit or take us through that process yeah definitely uh lost some offers due to the injury um also on lds uh the world knows this is mormon and so we serve a two-year mission when we're 19 and so that was on the table as well so that kind of scares coaches away from offering you as well so I kind of dwindled down to a few schools, and so I decided to go local. And I went, just got committed to a a local school um, to play soccer at. And then a few weeks later, I had Utah State actually come up and offer me a football scholarship. And I don't know if it's a scholarship, but a football walk-on. They wanted me to come go to school there. And I was like, well, Utah State's a pretty decent school for football, so it's probably better than a lowly local soccer school. And so I decided to do so that. In your mind, so, it's, so in your mind, up until this point, so in this mind, like up until this point, it was always going to be soccer, right? Like soccer was a passion. Soccer was a thing that you had your heart set on doing. And then it was this Utah State offer that kind of pulled you away from soccer and brought you into the football scene or – 
Yeah, and I think I think it was just a bad set of emotions. I think I was like down because I lost a lot of offers, and was still kind of coming back from my injury, and it kind of caught me in like a a weak moment when I committed to or wanted to go to Utah State, I guess. And but they didn't. The school I committed to um, didn't release me for my letter of intent. They he was like, well, if you're not going to play here, you're not going to play anywhere type of thing. So I was like, all right, whatever. Is so that he legal? Sit, yeah. He, he yeah, didn't release me for that, my letter of intent. That doesn't sound so right. I, could, that, I couldn't go. And, and I fought it with the NCAA for sure. So I was stuck for a year. Basically, I had to wait a year. That's pretty wild. Hey. I know that when I was in yeah. residency, one of my buddies was Josh Lambeau. Josh okay. is, in my life, was significant. We, we used to play guitar together. And one thing we we bonded over was just our love for Dave Matthews. I'm kind of rambling, but did no. did did Josh's path influence you in any way because of the residency connection, of the fact that obviously he was taking on, uh, obviously he was playing in the NFL. I don't know if if you had noticed this at all, but was that any bit in your mind during this process? Not at all. Uh, I wasn't even I don't wasn't even aware of it really. Dude, it's crazy. Uh, You're not even aware of this, and you two are like, you two are like the the mold of what every American soccer player wishes they accomplished at some point. You guys are like the to, oh, just get in touch with him, yeah, and, and talk about this. You should, you should, man, dude, because you guys have similar paths. He like super young. He got drafted by Dallas, and then he went back to school and started kicking. And now, obviously, you're both in the NFL. So, I think you guys yeah, could have a pretty good, good conversation about it. Um, so, yeah. so you end up at Utah State. You end up at Utah State. So, what ended up ultimately bringing you to to Utah? Because, like, I mean, in in terms of you know the state of Utah, those two schools are kind of rivals. So, what ended up getting you over to uh, the University of Utah? Oh no, it wasn't that easy. So, yeah. <laughs> and I actually never went to Utah State. Okay, so they just they just started. Oh, so they so the NCAA really stuck really stuck you down a little bit. Yeah, and so I had to wait a full year, uh, calendar year, and in that year, my ODP coach, who's the director of Utah soccer here, he got the job at Utah Valley University as the head coach. Due to they didn't have a football program, so due to Title IX, they implemented a, a men's soccer team, and so they were starting okay. a brand new team, um, Division One. 15 minutes from my house and he was like he called me and was like hey I want you to be my first guy here on the team committed I want you to be here and start this program with me and I was in a better moment I was like wow yeah this is exactly what I want to do I mean soccer is my first love I think I got distracted with football and kind of got caught in a weird place and this is definitely what I want to do and so actually before I could even commit or go to Utah State I told them that this is what I wanted to do and committed and went to uh, Utah Valley um, to play soccer. And then I played two years at Utah Valley um, with a, a mission in between there, a Mormon mission. So. so, so soccer, so soccer was like, soccer was always the plan. Soccer was always your passion. It was always, you know, you always kind of seemed like throughout the course of the story that you ended up getting pulled back into soccer. But were you wearing number nine at, at the uh, at the university in Utah? Because I was, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because 
in soccer, we always have references to numbers. Oh, he's the number nine. He's the goal scorer. He's the nine, so, yep. so to see the fact that you were wearing a number nine meant that the coach or whoever had enough belief, like, this is our guy. So it's so interesting to see that you've essentially gone from being, like, the goal scorer, multiple goals, multiple assists, to, like, Jeff hanging on the every whim of your kicks to, like, seal wins for Tom Brady, in which we're going to get into, and my God, we're going to get into it, and I don't even want to deal with it. But (laughs) it's incredible to, to know that you've gone from being a guy that's, you know, trusted to score multiple goals to, like, you need to make two kicks and that's that's it. You make two kicks and you're yeah. good for weeks. Uh-huh. Dude, and the part about the part about your story, and and we're keeping you a little longer a little longer than I think we anticipated, which I hope is cool. Um, yeah, that's totally fine. But you know, like the thing the thing that I'm enjoying about your story, man, is is that it, it it kind of seems like with everything you've done with soccer, you had to do it the hard way. You know, you weren't through these academy programs. You got spotted at the right time, and you ended up in residency. You get this yeah. injury, and then you come back for this. You come back for this comeback at, you know, Utah Valley. And how do you end up at the University of Utah? And, you know, I'm 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 aware of how fast you had success there because I remember living in Utah at the time, and everybody telling me that I should look up stories about the kicker. So, yeah. how do you end up at the University of Utah? And, you know, was it just one of those things where you just had so much instant success that it was. I mean, it had to be it had to be crazy to be a part of, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty instant uh, as far as when it happened. I mean, during my soccer season at UVU, it's frustrating. Like I said, I wasn't playing a lot. I had a buddy who had a brother playing for the football team, and he was like, "Hey, I I know someone at Utah. If you've ever thought about kicking, because in soccer, I was kind of known as having a really I could really hit a ball. Like I could freaking." had a rocket of a shot and so people always talk about that and the thought kind of stirred with me for a minute and then january came around and i went up and talked to my coach and said hey you know i think i'm done playing soccer i'm gonna pursue this and so when that time came around it kind of spring rolled around i went out to a field and kind of fought my own footballs and just went out to the field and really trying to practice put in work and started calling people and got connected with utah and then had another guy who helped me get on at the trial at BYU, and then I went out to some other things and um, just trying to figure out the technique and what's different between a soccer ball and a football, and really spend time doing it. And then I went out to a few camps. I'll just, for, for lack of time, I'll just skip. I went to Utah's summer specialist camp. They invited me to go to my the contract I talked to, and so I went there and bunch of kids there trying to kick and, and get spotted and I ended up winning the camp. Uh won all the drills, won all the competitions. And so you pretty much all, so you pretty much just walked you walked on. You just grabbed some yeah, footballs they, by yourself, walked me, on to the University of Utah and they offered me a walk on spot and I wasn't even in fall camp. So I had someone got injured three days in and got pulled out and they said, All right, show up at, at camp and so I, I came into fall camp a few days late and started kind of kicking and competing and proved my way. There was another kid on scholarship there. And um, in my personal opinion, I, I beat him out through camp. 
Um, but obviously their credit goes to the scholarship guy. They're going to go with their guy that they're paying, you know? So. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I mean, that's he, like anything, got, right? You see that? I'm sure you yeah, see that at every level. Politics and whatever way you go. So he got the start and he, our very first game, um, his first kick, he missed it. And the coach came to me right after. I was just sitting on the bench. I told my family not to come to the game. I told them, okay, I'm not playing. He's watching from home. I'm not even going to play. He's starting. He's going to be the kicker. He misses the first kick. Coach comes to me and says, hey, you got the next one. And I'm like, whoa. Like, oh, short, that's, like, a short, that's a short leash. That's a short leash okay, for yeah. a kicker, right? All right. Yeah, I'm like, all right. Hold it. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't an easy kick. It was a 45-yarder. So, like, this kid's a freshman, scholarship kid. And so – I mean, for him to miss one kick from 45 yards and then get kind of pulled out was, I think, a bit harsh, but I'm grateful for it because it gave me the opportunity. So I go in, and um, luckily it was an extra point, and so I kind of went out there and got my first extra point, and the coach came to me and said, you know, keep going until, until you, you know, just keep going. And so I kept going and ended up 100% that first game, and I ended up going on and making – 14 straight field goals, um, led the nation in 2017, and then I ended up winning the Lou Groza Award my first year in college football, which is the best kicker in the country. Um, oh, I know, man. Award. Dude, I read all about it. That's, yeah. Dude, that's crazy. So so you went from yeah. – first off, I'll say uh, – I'll say I feel I feel a little I feel a little bad for that kicker that you beat out because if your first kick was an yeah. extra point then you're getting that uh you're getting that I nice confidence boost right yeah. in for sure <laughs> but no I mean dude that's so it's funny it's funny because like I've always kind of uh, equated being a you know people ask me that don't understand soccer they're always like what's being a goalie like what's being a goalie like when you're you know you're playing you're kind of playing this one sport only one you're playing your own sport within a sport. Right. And that's kind of what For I sure, think about yeah. kicking. And when you get your opportunity, you have to make the most of it. Some guys, some guys get the opportunity to play in a game where there's one shot. And for you, you know, your opportunity came from an extra point and then you just ran with it, which I mean, speaks to kind of like the mental toughness side that you need to have to be a kicker. And I've always kind of thought that those were kind of comparables when you're dealing with kicking and when you're dealing with goalkeeping, because you are kind of on your own island, but it's a, it's a mental grind more than anything. Would you say that that's the same thing as being a kicker? Oh, for sure, because it's so individualized. Like, you're so – you're on the team, but you're, you're so separate. You know what I mean? Like, and there's only really one per team. So, like, there's only, I'm the only kicker on the roster. And every team will have a backup goalie, but like there really there's there's one goalie on the team. So like it's such a and the mental battle as well. They always say right, it's never the goalie's fault. But well, that's what we always tell. That's what we tell ourselves. That's not what the people yeah. outside of it say. <laughs> no, everyone outside of it is the team. I mean, you always say it's never the goalkeeper's fault. Like he gets put in tough situations. But I mean, I played goalie growing up, and to get scored on, it's. It's a mental like deflate, like it deflates you a little bit, like oh. But it's, so then you got to bounce back up and play the rest of the game. So it's like same thing as a kick, like you you rarely, I mean, you're not getting that much action in a game. Like right, it's very abrupt and quick moments that happen that you need to be on 100%. And that's the same thing sticking. I may be on the field one time for a game, but 
that one time might be the difference in the game. So it's just constantly being involved and engaged and making sure you're ready when that opportunity comes um, so, within a game or within your life. So That's one of the things I wanted to get into uh, with being a kicker, man. So you obviously, you go to Utah, you have all this success. And then, I mean, of course, ne- the next year you want to win. You want to win the award again. You want to be – you know the best kicker in the country but some you know what i mean like it's hard to it's hard to win it's hard to win awards like that back to back years back to back um so so you obviously you 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 have this immediate you have this like immediate success when you shoot up through college and you know like not to not to you know simplify the type of work that you had to put in but for lack of a better term, it all seems like it came pretty easy to you, right? So you slot into this, you slot into this Pac-12 school, you win this award, and then you know, next thing you know, you're on everybody's radar with you know an NFL, you know, with an NFL type of, uh, I want to say, resume, right? So you, yeah, you deal with these, and you like shoot up to this immediate feeling. So in your senior year, when it seems like more eyes are on you and more people are paying attention, was that harder for you to deal with? that type of spotlight or was it, you know, just kind of business as usual and you just try to keep your head down and keep doing the same thing? So yeah, it's, uh, it definitely changed things because people are now, right, when you have zero expectations, it's like, I could have came almost easy. and missed right. three giggles and no one would have cared. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But like, now they see what you can do, they expect it. And I obviously was like, well, I, I just did that. I should definitely have a better year. Like, I, I know what I expect of myself now. And so I came, came out and had this goal, like, oh, I'm going 100% this year, and I'm, I'm going to win the award again, and that's my goal. I'm going for it. And then my season starts off, and my first kick of the year is blocked. <laughs> and Does that, is, that, is that blamed on kickers? So that's always something I've wondered, because people say, oh, that, that his kick got blocked. Is that something that gets blamed on kickers? Because I always figured that was more of an O-line thing. It's always the kicker's fault. So I'll say, like, I'll come off. If it gets blocked, I'll be like, that's my, that's my bad. Even if it's not my bad, even if there's a lack of protection or whatever, like, you know, I just cop it. Because it's easier for me to just say my fault and move on rather than, like, it was his fault and being frustrated with someone else or this and that, like, just taking it and just being able to move on. So I just come off and say, you know what, like, but I didn't handle it like that. So I came off as frustrated, like, oh, you guys didn't block this and that. And my season that I dreamed of, 100%, and winning the award again, was like, well, that's not the way I wanted to start. And then I think that's very, I think that's very mature of you. You don't know probably, but I'm a defender, and a lot of times I think defenders and goalies like Jeff will assume responsibility for goals, just because at times those things happen. So you just want to yeah. kind of accept that it's happened and then just move on with it because there's still two or three or four quarters to play and there's still, you know, X amount of minutes to be played. So I respect you and the fact that you're just like, listen, it happened, my bad, even if it's not, and you just move on. I appreciate that because, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't, I can't be thinking the whole game about that block because then I can, the next one's going to be affected and the next one's going to be affected. So you just got to. So I got, all right. So I got, I got like a, like that's a great like that's a great athlete mentality dude like i respect the hell i really respect i really respect what you're saying Mm -hmm. so what from a kicker perspective what is blamed on the kicker for a blocked kick do you just kick it too low do you just 
like how is that blamed on the kicker like how can you put your hand up for yeah because this is their job to block for you and maybe this is the goalie in me coming out when you know a defender like Zarek lets somebody beat him and then he beats me oh, on the shot. Here we go. Here we go. But like, here we go. But shouldn't shouldn't they shouldn't they block for you? Shouldn't they get the shouldn't they get the get the blocks down so that no one's getting through to get a hand up? Or how's that work? Definitely, yeah. I mean, the, their job is to block, and they've got their technique that they've got to do. And guys will try to get a push and push the the line back a few yards, and then they they jump up and throw their hand up. And so you've got to be able to get the ball. I don't know, 10 feet in the air within six six yards. So you've got to be able to get it that high. So definitely either being a too low of a kick or sometimes too slow of a kick. If a guy can come off the edge and round the, the line and get there to block it off the edge, then you're too slow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, obviously after the game, you go back and watch the film and you can say, okay, this guy didn't get a block. I mean, he missed I love that. I love that. Yep. Yep. Is that's, it, I mean, is that's pretty it, much all. That's pretty much all of goalie film. <laughs> yeah. Middle of the, middle it, of the game, you just got to kind of move on and go. But after the game, they obviously trying to, why did it happen? Let's fix it. So yes, there's a low kick or no, the guy misses block or. Isn't it yeah. interesting how you lived your whole career being the number nine, the guy who scored goals, <laughs> the guy who looked back at the defense, like what is going on back there? I'm scoring goals. I can't figure it out. And suddenly you're the guy who's like trying to be the goalie in a sense to like say, you know what, this is what's going on back here. You guys don't get it up there, Jameis. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So all right. So that brings us that brings us to what I've just been dying to talk to you about, my friend. That brings us to the moment. All right. So you're sitting there. You have a senior season where you know you don't win the award. You don't win the award the same way that you did the year before. So obviously, it's a little bit of a letdown. It's a little bit of a letdown for you personally. But, you know, you're still in a good spot to get drafted. So uh -huh. for a kicker, how does the draft process work? I mean, I, so as you know, I'm a, I'm a Bucks loyalist, and the history of our kickers is a little bit, it's a little bit shaky, as I'm sure you've heard about since your time down there in Tampa. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the last guy who was the best kicker to leave college football like the Bucks drafted him in the second round. And it seemed like that, yeah. you know, the expectations in that high of a draft pick like I'm assuming the kicking is super mental the way that, you know, being a goalie is super mental. So you're going through the draft process. Do you think, like, are you thinking I'm going to be a high draft pick or are you thinking I'm a guy that, you know, I'm a kicker, so I'm not really sure if I'll get drafted, but I'll have the chance to go to a tryout and try to figure it out that way. So what are you thinking, you know, entering into the draft process? Yeah. So, I got invited to the combine. I was one of three kickers that got invited to the combine. So I was like, okay, I'm definitely, I feel like I'm up there in their eyes. I could be. Um, but as a kicker or punter, I feel like you're, you never expect to be drafted. I mean, that's just kind of like, and everything I heard, like all the grades I was getting back or the reports I was saying, yeah, I was either a seventh rounder or a free agent. And so I was like, okay, you know, like, I want to be drafted. I really want to be drafted. But that mindset was like, you know, kickers and punters don't expect to be drafted. Um, just kind of go about your business, handle what you can handle, and, and see what the outcome is. Um, but I'm so, were you watching I'm the draft when your name when your name got called? Were you oh, yeah. watching the draft? Or I'm human, so I mean, I was like, please get drafted, please get drafted, type of thing. Like, I really wanted to to be pissed. And so I knew obviously I wasn't getting picked 
probably the first or second day. Um, it was going to be rounds four on on that third Saturday. Um, so that morning I turned it on and was kind of watching it. And obviously how it works is you're watching it and you'll get a phone call that says, hey, this is the general manager of whatever team. We're good old Jason. What's good old, good old Jason? Oh, here yeah. we go. Here we go, folks. Here we go. We're going down this road. Right. So, so you get the phone call. You get the phone call from the franchise in the NFL. Do you have so when when the when the Bucks draft you because you're you like you're it doesn't seem like you were a guy who was following football much at all, right? It's always been soccer. It's no, always yeah, been soccer. Not at all. So so and I think that in the position that you ended up in with the Bucks, it probably serves you better that you weren't aware of the history of you know the the history of the Bucks kicking situation and all that. So when you get that phone call and you find out that you're going down to Tampa Bay, I mean, do you know anything about the history of the kicking situation? Do you know much about Bruce Arians and like the history that he has, you know, or is this just, all right, this is where I'm going to kick. Like my job is to kick field goals. Like, and this is where I'm headed. Yeah. So, I mean, during the draft process, my agent, he was keeping me up like, okay, what teams could pick me up? What's their situation? this kicker is a high paid guy. So you're probably not going to go there. And this is this. And it was made to my attention that the Bucks had recently drafted a kicker and it didn't work out. And so my agent early on, like we kind of never thought the Bucks, and I never had any real contact with any of the coaches in the Bucks or interest it would seem from the Bucks. And so I didn't even think about them really. And then got the phone call sitting there and it's, Eight one three, and you're like, oh, okay, and going to the Bucks, and but it was very, it was made clear very soon and quickly the the history in Tampa. Was so, it was it? Uh, it was like, I mean, who 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 turned you on to that? Is that a media thing? Because you went down there, and if I'm not, I don't want to get his name wrong, but I want to say it was Nick Folk that you were going against, right? In your first in the first camp, Cairo Santos, Cairo. Cairo Santos. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. And he's a good kicker, man. So he's he's a guy yeah. who's established and he's a guy who's established. So so how does it work when you because for goalies for for me, you know, when when I'm competing with another goalie, I know that that other goalie is still going to be on the team. So you have to work on your relationship when you're training together so that you can help each other out and you know, you can you can still compete but get the best out of each other. Is that how it kind of works with kickers? So are you and Cairo supporting each other? Or is it more just just straight competition and one of you is going to end up with a job at the end of the day? So, yeah, it's, it's, it is a tricky situation because at the end of the day, there's only going to be one. So you're both not going to be there. But it kind of made clear early on, like, I want him to be at his best because that's going to raise my game. So, like, I want him to be good. I want to support him and how it works everyone in the NFL is connected and everyone talks. So like the better you do, no matter what the circumstances are, like chances are you're going to get picked up somewhere else if you do really, really well, or you don't make it or, and so we actually became pretty good friends and, and definitely supported each other along the way and just wanted the best for each other. And I wanted him to be his best because it raised my game, made me more competitive and made me a better kicker as well. So, but you, you, you do know the end of the day, it's, you're competing and yeah, one of you guy. get it. And so it's, 
it's at first it was a little tense and you're trying to feel it out and understand the situation. But as you settled in, you kind of understood like, okay, you both want to be really, really good and raise each other's game. And hopefully you both end up on a team at the end of the day. So. Well, I think that, that situation. My, I think that myself and Jeff can relate to that a lot because at times we haven't been viewed as the guy as people might yeah. say, but Ultimately, I think that if you're a good teammate and you support the person with you and don't necessarily say, you know what, I hope this guy goes out there and breaks his leg and he sucks. Like, that's not yeah. supporting your teammate. And I don't think that's ultimately positive towards, you know, the betterment of the team. But I think Jeff and I can completely relate to at times when he was in Salt Lake and early in my career where we're trying to support players in front of us. And ultimately, when you get your chance, you just have to take take it and say, you know what, I've, you know, been practicing and I'm ready for this. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they're investing a lot of money in you, so it's not – they don't want to just invest in who you are on the field. I mean, they want to see how you are as a teammate and how you interact with your teammates and how you support them, even in tough situations. I mean, that shows they're investing in a lot more than just your production on the field. They're investing in who you are as a person because you're going to then represent their organization and they want you to represent it well, so – you can't just be – and at the end of the day, you just want to be a good guy, you know. You just want to be nice to people and respect people. And that's all I tried to do is just respect my opponent. I don't want to underestimate anybody and, you know, just go out there and try my best and, and do what I know I can do. And at the end of the day, God's got a plan and he'll work it out for you. So. Well, I love that because Mr. Santos has not come on the podcast and you have. So guess what? you got to float on him on there. But ultimately <laughs> – if we're gonna if we're gonna bring some things up, you've scored the most points as a rookie kicker in Bucks history. You've had the most successful extra points as a kicker in Bucks history, and you've had the most successful field goal attempts by a rookie kicker in Bucks history, and that's surpassing Martin Gramatica. But I want to ask, you are a soccer player at heart, am I not mistaken? So will you ever celebrate like the Gramaticas, or are you a little bit more you know what, let's talk about the O-line that's just doing so much work for me. Uh, I I don't see myself ever, I don't know, screaming, yelling, running around, celebrating, <laughs> jumping up and down. That's just, that's not really my personality when it comes down to it. Uh, I Maybe a huge kick, game, you know, game winner, you're going to get, obviously, emotions are going to take over and you're going to be a little bit more. Do I need to pull the clips? Do I need to pull the clips of you at Utah with some game winners, or should we just leave that for another day? <laughs> we can leave that for another day. But, Perfect. Uh, well, most... my last question would be, you know, it says that your career long is 58 yards, which mm -hmm. I know the NFL long is like 63, 64, and that's in Denver where the air is yep. thin. If you had to equate that to soccer terms, is that like hitting a goal kick to like the other 18 or is this just like a center back long ball because as a forward it's really odd that you were so far up the field scoring goals but clearly banging in goals judging by your leg but how is that equivalent to a soccer field if you're kicking a 58 yard field goal to win games yeah i think that's the uh, equivalent of that right or left back Pinging that 60, 70 yard ball across the field to the right or left winger 
and it's got to get up and over and you want it kind of on a rope but it's got to get up so you're not you're not talking about Zarek's ball you're not talking <laughs> this is, about Zarek's pass. this is this is not this is not my game <laughs> i'm talking about that that goalkeeper draw kick you know floater to the to the, the runner have you ever right have here. you ever uh have you ever punted have you ever tried punting <laughs> no for real have you ever tried punting you ever think about doing the dual thing uh i have i can do the rugby end over end style okay um when it comes to spirals and doing that whole thing it doesn't i'm not i don't have it because i'm such a being a soccer player it's like your your leg swing comes it's so across your body everything's kind of you know whipping it with some toss spin or some curve or i don't know and and to be a punter to hit the spirals it's so linear straight up and down swing and every time i try to do it i like swing across my body and every now and again i connect on one but most of the time it's a shank out of bounds so 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 pretty much without asking i i can't be an nfl kicker judging by what what you're saying is like this is completely out of my my realm <laughs> dude so all right so i got so we're gonna all right so i just got some fan questions for you now we got your career yeah. we got your career we got your like we got the path man and like i think it's an amazing story i think it's a story that a lot of people are going to enjoy listening to because it's an unconventional path to do what you're doing and people are watching you on sundays which is a big de- which is a big deal so I just got some, I just got some fan questions for you. Oh, here if, we go. Here we go. All right. No, no, no. So if there's a fake field goal run, are you getting the ball and you running up the middle, or are you dropping back and trying to sling that thing? Oh, I'm trying to sling that thing. I'm trying to push it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really You're not trying to drop a little dime to the. Do we got? I mean, do we got? As a as a Bucks fan, man, dude, I call for fake field goals all the time. They never run them. Are you ever? I mean. Is there ever a moment where you're like, oh, man, the fake would work? Is that up to you or is that up to the holder or is that like a coach's call? That's a coach's call. So you've got to see it against the team or whatever and, and you know, draw it up and then actually have the, the balls to kind of call it in a game, which is pretty risky. It doesn't happen a lot. But Do you ever have one of those go really wrong? <laughs> I've, never, I've never attempted a fake Google ever. So What? No I'm, way. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping my time. I've only played three years of football total, so that's true. I mean, that's that, true. That is and, the and most. That's that, the most ridiculous stat I've heard in my life. Ooh, I know, right? Oh man, I'm kick. You know what? Like Tom's gonna lead us down the field. I got to kick us to win a game, and I've only been playing three years. So like, I just gotta throw it up there in the old uprights. Dude, in Whittingham, Whittingham's Whittingham's a pretty straight laced guy, so you're not running many fakes with him, dude. So all right. Oh yeah. So who is so, Whittingham for the listeners, Jeff? Stop it with oh, your Bucks talk. No, no, he's the coach of Utah, bro. He's the coach of Utah. So, all right, so you've never run a fake, so at least, like, there's no tape on that, so we can expect that next year. And you got Tom Brady now. You got Tom Brady who's coaching you how to drop back and throw it. So oh, here we go. What's your, here we go. I mean, listen, as a Bucks fan, and I'm not going to hamper on this Bucks thing too, too long, but as a Bucks fan and as a person who plays for the Bucks. It's kind of like a weird situation where, you know, Jameis Winston did a lot of good things for the organization. And Jameis Winston, from from what I could tell, seems like seemed like kind of that dude in the locker room who had his arm out, had his arm around everybody, worked really hard, did all the right things. So as a, you know, 
as a player inside the locker room, it has to be kind of sad to see Jameis go. So I guess, I guess, you know, my question to you is, were, was Jameis that type of guy to everybody? Because you're a kicker, so I'm not sure how the interaction with kickers work and how the interactions with, you know, the star quarterback works. Like, is he that type of guy who's putting his arm around everybody, bringing them under his circle and, you know, trying to get the best out of everybody? Because that's what it seemed like to the fans. 100%. Jameis was the most involved guy on the team, talked to everybody, hardest worker, super nice. I mean, the first time I walked in the building, the first time I met him, he walked right up to me and was like, Matt, Pat, Pat, my new kicker, what's up, my guy? Like, he knew my name on day one. Oh, that's cool. That's cool, man. That's, that's a so cool story. That just goes to show who James Winston is. And, I mean, he's an incredible guy, super genuine, super nice, did so much for the community. Um, and definitely it's tough to see a guy like that who, I mean, he puts everything he, he has into the game and is, at the end of the day, just a really good guy. Um, you definitely want the best for him, and you want to see him succeed and, and do good things. But at the end of the day, it's it's the business, and I guess you can't – it's tough to – I mean, you're bringing in or the, the GOAT. You're bringing in the greatest of all time. So, I mean, it's not like you can – be all right, like, so are you kidding me? Right, but, yeah. Know, I mean, Tom Brady. Right. So. I mean, I always say that's the thing. It's Tom Brady, bro. Like, yeah. So you went from you went from playing, you went from three years of playing football to now you're kicking for the team that everybody's talking about, right? I mean, the Bucks are on. The, everybody's talking about the Bucks now that Tom Brady has signed up. Yeah. Have you? Has he? Has he reached out? Like, has he done that thing yet? Where you know he's the whole story has been he's getting everybody's phone numbers and he's getting ready to take over the leadership role. Has he, has he reached out? Like, have you had any contact with him? And then, and I guess, you know, what was your reaction to like, how did you find out? What was your reaction to the team signing Tom Brady? Because, you know, in my mind, if somebody like that walks into the locker room, it's just like everybody gets put on notice and it's, you know, Super Bowl, Super Bowl or bust that type of mentality. Is that kind of what you were thinking when you heard the news, or how does that go down? Zarek's yeah, rolling uh, his eyes at me. Zarek's rolling oh, his eyes at me, but he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. On, listen, on. We're going to have to get it. Who, do you, who, does, uh, who does he support? Who's your team? He likes, the, he likes the Eagles. I mean, they're faithful. You can't knock them. I agree. Listen, so, we, we've had some you. kicker issues. We're, we're doing okay. A few years ago, least, we would have – I'd have yeah, loved to have you guys on our team. But, listen, I wish you kicked in the AFC, please. I wish you kicked in the AFC. <laughs> Thank you. Um, going back to – he has not reached out to me. Um, I did see that he asked for everyone's numbers. Um, he has not. I think it would be really cool if he does. I'm not expecting anything. Um, but, I mean, I, a few months ago – my best friend actually was like, I'm calling it, this is a hot take, but Tom Brady to the Bucks, And he went over a situation and why. And that's the first I heard of it. And I was like, oh, all right. That's, you know, I can see it. I can see it. And then obviously along this process, it was like, oh, okay. It's a possibility. Okay, wow. It's really a possibility. The rumors are heating up. Like, okay, now it's between us and the Chargers. And then you're sitting there like, holy crap, Tom Brady just signed. Like, man, I had people, um, I had people, I had people texting me all around Tampa that day, like <laughs> saying that they saw Giselle out yeah. in public. It was like a sighting <laughs> in the wild. Uh, but that's but cool, the, one, man. The, so, one thing I was, the one thing I would like to say is, 
as someone who's an athlete and in in the business from going back to what you said about Jameis and obviously if Tom reaches out when I would say when because judging by what he says when it's great yeah. to hear that people and players are good people you know based off of human interaction because the media portrays people in such a ridiculous way and like uh -huh. when you look up Jameis on like whatever it's like people think of the crab legs and all this, this garbage but if you talk to anybody who ever played with them everybody raves about the person he is and like the motivator and like as someone who's an athlete like i would love to play on some play with somebody who would just be so passionate and so like you know in it with you and that's something that is so positive to hear on my end about him and i obviously it's said about tom but at least on his end that's so cool for me yeah because i mean as an athlete I mean, all the media or whatever, they just judge you off of what happens on the field. That is the only thing you're judged off of, and that's who you are. Like, you're the guy that got scored on, or you're the guy that missed this kick. And those are the meaningful, like, compliments you get when it's like, hey, like, you're a, you're a really down-to-earth guy. You're really nice, you know? And it's like, well, you know, that's what means a lot. And so guys like Jameis, and from what everything I've heard about Tom Brady – I mean, he's just like a really good guy, really good teammate, raises the level of his teammates and, I mean, demands excellence. And that's what I'm looking forward to uh, is just learning from him. I mean, there's so much. I mean, completely different positions, but there's so much to be learned from how he goes about his business, what he does, and how he handles the mental aspect. And just, you know, be around that environment because, I mean, this changes one guy can completely change the culture and I think that's what's going to happen is he's going to he's changing the culture already of of Tampa and that's just his reputation and obviously it speaks for himself and kudos to him because, um, I mean he, he's built that himself and so, I mean that's just props to, to him Matt man I love oh, it brother I love everything I love everything you're saying dude as a fan as a Bucks fan <laughs> I love everything you're saying, and it's so true. When somebody, when some, and as an athlete, man, when somebody walks into your locker room who has that type of pedigree, it just it raises everybody's level. And uh, you know, I'm excited, dude. I'm so excited to cheer for you this year. And uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on as long as you did, man. It was a it was a really good conversation. I, it's it's, dude, it's been a lot of fun learning about you and kind of learning about your path. And just, dude, I want to say I want to say the. So I didn't. I was doing my research, but like, of course, as a fan, I know a little bit, and I've and you know, I watched. Uh, you know, I know your path, and I watch with a, you know, with one eye on what you're doing. So I just want to put it out there that, you know, after that after that game where you miss a Giants kick, I knew that you yeah. were the real deal because the next four games, dude, you may I know I know that you know this, but for the next four games, you didn't miss a kick, and you made 18 of your next 20 field goals, and for me, like that just shows. Dude, that just shows someone that has that mental toughness. And, man, as a Bucks fan, dude, I'm excited to see what you're going to do this year. I think you're going to have a massive year for us. I think you're going to have a Pro Bowl-type year. So I enjoy watching you dropping those bombs uh, up, up there in Utah. Dude, I hope, uh, I hope you and your family stay safe. I'm excited to watch you back on the football field. And, man, I really, like, I really appreciate you jumping on with us because you didn't have to do that. So I really appreciate it. My man, totally uh... – Excited to, to be on here with you guys, and seriously, thank you for what you just said. I mean, that uh, goes a long way, and means more to me than you know. So to hear that, so uh, definitely expecting a big year, working hard, and it's going to be a, a good year for for Tampa. And 
I hope you guys stay in touch. My number is yours, and you guys can text me, call me, whatever. And then uh, let's meet up one of these off seasons and uh, hit a soccer field, ping the ball around a little bit. Listen, I would love right, that. You, you got to kick, gotta, you gotta kick, gotta kick a football. We'll do a get little here. challenge, see if I can score on a MLS goalkeeper. You know? so I always listen, thought I could, I, but let's see if it can actually happen. I would love to watch those, but listen, as an Eagles fan, my man, thank you for joining us. Um, what I would say is, is if you look at Vinatieri and Gostowski and these guys that have played with with Tom in that system, dude, you're gonna flourish, and I'm excited to watch it. Just please don't play against the Eagles, my God. Just stay away from us until like the NFC Championship game, like you guys beat us in back in like 2000, whatever. My man, you're you're a good dude, and like it's fun to to like have these moments in our lives in which somewhat we're connected in residency and whatever like you're a good dude and i enjoy to see your fit to see your faith flourish in your in your sport that's fantastic and thanks for coming on dude and don't be a stranger sounds good guys appreciate it thanks so much be safe stay healthy all right matt take care all right man you too man you too man take care of that family thanks matt we'll do see you later yep